All right. Good morning, church. Let me ask you something. Who's still got a little fight left in them? Huh? Anybody? Heck yeah, we press on. We press on. We're going to wrap up our spiritual warfare series this morning called Fight that we've been in for several weeks here. We're going to be talking about the weapons that we wield as followers of Christ today. But before we get started, um, I've got something kind of cool to share with you. Y'all want to hear something cool? Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Uh, you remember three weeks ago when I revealed our end of the year um, giving totals? You remember that? And we missed it by $650, our God-sized goal for the year, the goal that God had put the elders on to 14 months before. We missed it by $650, although we had the best December giving in the history of the church. So we celebrated. Well, you know what's cool? I mentioned that the mail was kind of off and we were praying that something might come in. Well, I got a call from Faye Wednesday night as I left our night of prayer on my way home uh, from church. And Faye said, she was giddy. And she said, Phil, I've just heard from a partner and uh, there was a $2,500 check that was written in December that was lost in the mail and returned and it's being recut right now for 2020. And so we ended the year $1,800 over that God-sized goal. I tell you, the last check in for the win. Is that not a God thing? I mean, seriously, don't you just love it when God winks at us like that and says, Hey, I got you. I'm here. He doesn't have to do that. Man, that's just all his luxurious grace to let us know that he's got his arms wrapped around us. If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, we'll continue to celebrate as we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, we're going to be there this morning, and we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. So you can go ahead and kind of put a bookmark uh, in those two passages as we jump in here. Uh, as I said, we're going to conclude our series on spiritual warfare uh, with a message called The Weapons We Wield. Warfare of any kind requires weaponry. And as followers, followers of Christ, for us to be effective in this fight against our enemy, we've got to know what our weapons are and how to effectively use them. Paul tells us in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, For though we live in the world... We do not wage war the way the world does. So he says this is a different kind of war, Paul is telling us. We've talked about that over the last three weeks. He says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power. they got God's power, in other words, resurrection power to demolish strongholds. Do you know what a stronghold is in the life of a believer or, or in any person's life? Man, it is a place in your life that the enemy controls. You hear me? That's what a stronghold is. When you see that in the Scripture, this war terminology, it's any place in your life that the enemy controls. 
And so Paul says, man, the weapons that we wield, they've got divine power to demolish those places, the enemy's control in our lives. He says, we also demolish arguments and every pretension, everything false that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, against who God is. And we take captive, he says, man, we grab every thought that comes into our mind. We think carefully and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, what Paul's saying here is the war that we're in as followers of Christ is not a traditional war. We're not lining up on a battlefield pounding an enemy with munitions, obviously. We're not even fighting a physical enemy. And so the weapons we use are not tanks and planes and guns and knives. They're not weapons that can kill the body and destroy brick and mortar. Paul says our weapons have even greater power. He says they can destroy everything that comes against the character and the goodness of God. But what are those weapons? That's what we want to talk about this morning. And how do we use them in this fight? Turn with me, if you would, over to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. It's a recognizable passage for, for many folks uh, where Paul is, is closing out his letter to the Ephesians uh, talking about the armor of God, the protection and the weaponry that God gives us as followers of Christ in this war. So Ephesians chapter 6 beginning in verse 10, Paul says this. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in His mighty power and put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. So there's some stuff we got to do in this fight. We've got to put something on. We've got to put on the armor of God. And he goes on to tell us what that looks like. But he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against other people. The conflicts that you're having at work, the conflicts that you're having in your marriage, the conflicts that you're having with your kids, the conflicts that are swirling around us as a country, Paul says, remember, those struggles are not against flesh and blood. They're spiritual struggles. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In other words, there's a spiritual war being waged. And he says, therefore, for this reason, you've got to put on the full armor of God. And he's telling us as followers of Christ, you've got to do this. So that when the day of evil comes, so when the enemy comes your way or, or begins to come against your family or enters your workplace, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, Paul said, man, stand. Don't go backwards. Stand firm then, he said, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. This, this Roman soldier kind of motif here. That Paul is, Paul is painting this picture. So he says, Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. He says, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. He says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray. He said, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. He says, pay attention. Don't go to sleep in this battle. And always keep on praying for who? All the saints, for one another. We're in this thing together. So Paul walks us through the weapons that God has given us here, both offensively and defensively, this armor to battle the schemes and the tactics of the enemy. And we've walked through the way the enemy operates over the last three weeks. And today we're going to be looking at how we come against his attacks. Paul uses terminology that the Ephesians would have been very familiar with in the first century, seeing Roman soldiers daily in the streets. Paul compares the armor and the weapons we wield in this spiritual war with that of a Roman soldier preparing for battle. Let me ask you something this morning. What battle are you fighting right now? Maybe it's a physical battle. Maybe it's an emotional battle. Maybe you're in just kind of a funk in your head right now. Maybe it's a battle of your thoughts. Maybe it's a relational battle in your family. Maybe it's a vocational battle at work. Man, we are all in a battle. What battle are you fighting right now? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Paul reminds us of that. There is a fight, what? Behind the fight. And if we don't realize that, we've already lost the battle. There's a spiritual war being waged for the hearts and the souls of mankind. And God has given us what it takes to win this war. Three times Paul says, stand. Don't go backwards. Stand. Whatever you're fighting right now, whatever you're fighting for, whatever battle you're in, stand your ground. In Christ, not pridefully, just because I'm not going to be pushed back, but in Christ, stand your ground. Paul says, stand firm, whatever you do. Don't give up ground. Don't give up on God. Man, he can... He can bring a check in a month later. And that was the elders' prayer here at Tapestry in 2020. Last March, almost a year ago, the elders gathered. We had to shut the church down. If you guys remember, I'm doing service from my desk at my house. And the elders came together. And man, that was their prayer. That, that, that God would allow us to move forward even in the midst of this. That God would allow us to gain ground as a church even in the most difficult of circumstances. And God honored that prayer. And He continues to honor that prayer as tapestry moves forward. Somebody say, I'm still standing. Anybody? Say, I'm still standing. And sometimes that's all you can say. Hey, I'm still here. I'm still standing. And with the year we've had, 
I'll tell you what, that's a celebration in and of itself. And you're still standing and God will keep you grounded. Historians say the greatest weapon of the Roman legion was their capacity to not be moved on the battlefield. The ability to stand firm and always press forward. Their battle formations were revolutionary. They allowed them to protect one another as they held their ground and wore the enemy down. They worked together. They stood together. And they protected one another as they fought. It's a picture Paul is using of the church. A Roman soldier by himself was like any other soldier. But the Roman legion together... (laughs) conquered the entire known world. And as followers of Christ, as soldiers in God's army, we've got to stand and we've got to fight together. Don't try to go it alone. Let me ask you something. Who's fighting with you? Or do you feel like you're fighting alone? It's a lonely place. It's a hard place to be. We've got to have others around us. We've got to have other believers who've got our back, who are walking with us all in step with the Spirit, fighting this battle together. I've talked about this throughout the series. Isolation is the enemy's greatest tool. If he can get you by yourself, he will beat you up every single time. Jacob talked about the small groups that are... Um, relaunching next week. And, and let me encourage you, if you, you're not part of a small group, um, man, that is the formation, if you will, uh, of the church. That's where we gather together. That's where we share um, the needs that are right down on the ground level of our lives. That's where we pray for one another. That's where we protect one another. And that's where we are in this thing together. So let me encourage you. Again, there we're, we're doing virtual groups in this season. Um, but man, you can get connected there. Go to the website, um, find a leader, find a group that works for you, and, uh, and get connected next week. It is so, so important. Um, as followers uh, of Christ, man, Paul tells us uh, that we need to put our armor on. We've got to do something. We've got to take action just as the soldier took action and prepared himself for the battle. He put his armor on. And so Paul walks us through what that armor looks like and the weapons that we wield in this passage. He says, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Roman soldiers, every Roman soldier wore a tactical belt around their waist. Most of their armor and their weaponry somehow connected to that belt. There was a short sword that hung from a loop on their belt. Their breastplate laced into the belt to stay in place. The belt was the foundation for their armor and their weapons. Do you hear me? It held everything in place in the same way that truth God's truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the what? Truth and the life. In the same way that the truth is the foundation for every weapon we wield in this spiritual fight. 
The belt was the first thing the Roman soldier put on. Without it, everything else was disconnected and would ultimately fail in the fight. And Satan uses lies. <laughs> he uses deception. He uses accusation as his chief weapons. Jesus called him the father of lies. And we fight those lies with truth with the Word of God, and with the authority we have in Christ alone. The truth penetrates Satan's deceptions. The truth tears down false ideas, and we need it now more than ever. The truth reveals false arguments, and it exposes false lifestyles that are contrary to the character and the goodness of God. You know, we're in a crazy time in our culture, a crazy time in our country, uh, really in the world as a whole, (laughs) with conspiracy theories uh, abounding more now than ever, news, no matter where you turn to it, that cannot be trusted, lies on every level and every side. It's so important that God's people put His truth on first and allow it to penetrate the fog of deception that surrounds us today. You want freedom? And I know I do. But Jesus said, You will know the truth, and the truth will what? It'll set you free. His truth, God's truth. Truth is our foundation for the fight, and every weapon we have is connected to it. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Truth. And when by faith we trust Christ for the forgiveness of our sin, we step into this next piece of armor that Paul shares with us. He said, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. The breastplate protected a soldier's vital organs, especially his heart. And the righteousness of Christ protecting our hearts is a powerful weapon. We use it defensively to guard our new identity in Christ. The old man has passed away and the new man has come knowing that we are truly and fully forgiven and that we are free from condemnation. He who had no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And it is that righteousness, the righteousness and the perfection and the holiness of Christ that clothes us when we by faith invite Him into our lives. That righteousness protects us against the onslaught of Satan's lies. What lie are you buying this morning? And there's a million of them out there today. What lie are you buying this morning? What lie are you buying about yourself this morning? Maybe that that you're not enough. Maybe because of what you've been through, for some reason you just don't measure up. You don't have what it takes. 
Maybe that your sin, especially that one, is not forgiven. And you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And it is His righteousness that declares you not guilty before the Father. And His righteousness alone, not your performance, not anything you've done in the past or will do in the future, but only what Christ has done, the work He has performed for you on the cross, the atonement that brings you forgiveness and separates your sin as far away from you as the east is from the west, the Scripture says. What lie are you believing this morning about yourself? That you're not good enough for God. That your sin is not forgiven. That you don't have what it takes. That you can't live an abundant life. Because it's been so hard to find it. It's not true. Those are lies of the enemy. Man, trust who God says you are in Christ. And stand firm in the way you live your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says this. Stand firm in purity. <laughs> and putting that armor on is about living a certain way. The way of Christ. Paul says, in purity, in understanding, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech. These are weapons of righteousness. And in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. The way we live our lives for Christ is a weapon. And fight like you've already won. Then Paul goes on to say, And with feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Many historians credit the Roman legion's footwear, the shoes that they wore, as one of their greatest advantages. They wore light, open-toed shoes with metal spikes on the bottom of them to grip the ground and give them a firm stance on any terrain and in any battle. Their shoes were weapons, essentially, that anchored them to the ground and steadied them for the fight. Paul compares their shoes to the peace that God gives us through the gospel. The peace that grounds us and keeps us moving forward in faith. Where are you losing ground today when it comes to your peace? Where are you unsettled right now in your life? Where are you worn out? with worry and one of the greatest offensive weapons we have as followers of Christ is prayer and the byproduct of wielding that weapon God promises us is peace make prayer a priority it is one of your greatest weapons in this spiritual war that we're in Philippians 4, a familiar passage. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, everything by prayer and petition. Man, what are you going through right now that's like, oh yeah, man, I need to pray about this. 
Have you ever done that? Have you ever worried yourself sick and then finally you just, it's like, wait, I haven't even prayed about this. It's just, it has consumed you and it's like a blanket that has laid over you and it is oppressive. And, 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 and finally you just kind of wake up and go, wait a minute, man, I need to take this to God. Well, that's the enemy. That's where the battle is. The last thing the enemy wants you to do is to pray. He wants you to be anxious about everything, not pray about everything. And that way he can keep you out of the fight. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving and praise him. This past Wednesday night at our night of prayer here, that's the last thing we did. We prayed for the needs of our country. We prayed for the needs of the church. We prayed for needs of people in the church. And then we just praised God for who he is. And Paul says, when we do that with thanksgiving and we lay those requests before God and the peace of God, he says, which transcends anything we can possibly understand, it guards our hearts and it guards our minds in Christ Jesus. I think I woke Iris up. <laughs> oh, she's precious. So the truth of God... The righteousness of God and the peace of God. And then Paul says, in addition to all this, man, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Those lies, those accusations. He says, bring faith to bear against that. A Roman soldier's shield was two feet wide, it was about as wide as this pulpit, and it was four feet tall, so it was about this size right here. And he used it as a defensive weapon, obviously, but also offensively when used together by an entire unit of soldiers. When advancing toward an enemy, this is a picture of uh, an entire unit of soldiers using their shield. It was revolutionary, the formations that the legion came up with. But when advancing toward an enemy like this, the shields were used in a maneuver called the testudo or the tortoise. That's what they called this because it looks like a shell that protects them. And it protected every single man in the formation. And it was used not only for protection, but it was used to keep moving forward and march right through the enemy. Isn't that awesome? They would cover their shields in leather many times and soak them in water to extinguish the flaming arrows that the enemy would shoot at them. And as followers of Christ, man, on the spiritual battlefield that we're on, faith is our shield. Man, simply believing. Believing that God has not forgotten you, believing that God is enough, believing that you've got what it takes because you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We use that shield of faith to defend ourselves and to defend one another as we saturate ourselves in prayer. Where do you need to raise a shield of faith today? Where do you need to trust God in a particular situation? 
Where do you need to believe God in a struggle that you're facing? That He's aware of it, that He's going to show up, and that He's going to give you what you need in the midst of it. Where are you under fire from the enemy today? Is your family under fire? Is your marriage under fire? Are your children under fire? Maybe you're being pummeled on the job and you're just barely hanging on through this whole pandemic. And raise your shield of faith. Raise your shield of faith. Invite others to get in formation with you and push through the attack. And finally, Paul tells us to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and to pray in the Spirit and on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Paul says, pray without ceasing. Man, pray from the moment your feet hit the floor until the moment you close your eyes at night. Just pray. Just give God the glory. Just talk to Him and let Him know the needs that you have. He says, keep on praying. Be alert. Pray for everybody, all the saints. Man, the Roman legion had the most advanced helmets of any fighting force in the ancient world. Their helmets were light and they were comfortable, yet they protected their heads from every angle of attack. God doesn't want us to strive in our salvation. Paul talks about the helmet of salvation. Paul doesn't want our salvation, our walk with Christ to be heavy and burdensome. He wants us to wear our salvation comfortably and confidently, knowing that it's going to protect us from anything the enemy throws at us, and no matter what angle he comes to us from. And when Jesus was tempted in the desert, and we talked about this last week, he crushed Satan's lies with what? The Word of God. The Word of God. And we must do the same. Through consistent prayer and the truth of God's Word, we protect our minds from lies and we remind the enemy of his ultimate demise. For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Keep fighting, church. We know how this story ends. Let's bow our heads. Father, we know that this battle is not up to us. We know that we play a part but, Lord, you fight our battles when we place our faith and our trust in you. And, Lord, I pray for anybody here this morning who has not uh, given their lives to Christ, Lord, not stepped into his righteousness, not received his forgiveness uh, for their sin, and then stepped into the freedom that only he can afford. Lord, I, I pray today would be the day, uh, Lord, because without Christ, without uh, Him fighting in us and for us, because greater is He who is in us than he that's in the world, Lord, we don't stand a chance in this battle. So, Father, for those who, Lord, are yet to step over the line, are yet to believe, Lord, I pray that Your Spirit would draw them to Yourself today as Jesus has been lifted up. 
Lord, we thank you for uh, helping us stand our ground, for giving us what we need as your children to press on in the most difficult of days. And we just give you the glory and the honor for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.